This is Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home. Welcome to In Progress, a podcast about faith, life, and how we grow. In this episode, I'm joined by one of our Winning at Home child and adolescent therapists, Mavis Shubalak. Did I say that right? Close. Close? Okay, good. It's like a shoe, a bell, and a lock. Yeah, Annalisa is trying to walk me through this, and yeah, I thought I had it. It's Shubalak. Shabellock. Yes. Okay. Or okay. just Mavis S. Right, exactly. That's what I'm like. I don't think I've even ever said your last name out loud before. Yeah. So, yeah, my bad. No worries. Um, no one has <laughs> said it correctly. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. So, when you read it in the title, you'll see why I had such a hard time with it. When you see it spelled out as you're listening, You'll know why that's a tricky one to pronounce. any of you would like to take a stab at it before, good luck. Good luck. (laughs) So Mavis, you, I'm really excited to have you here today because we're going to talk about something that I talked about in a previous episode about technology. Right. But you're coming at it from the standpoint of you're working with kids and teens and their parents Mm -hmm. and you're seeing this technology stuff for better or for worse play out in multiple homes as you're meeting with kids and parents and you're seeing the constant struggles you're seeing the constant victories you're seeing the constant you know little bit of movement in the right direction and so that's what I really want to talk about today what what are some of the things that you're seeing as you meet with kids and teens and their parents that is causing a lot of conflict or a lot of frustration or a lot of disappointment surrounding the use of technology. Yeah, um, and it's hard because there are some things that are a positive. Um, People always have their phone with them and they can track certain things. Like if a child has some kind of behavior chart that we're trying to track and make sure that they're doing a certain behavior, parents can easily record that on a phone Mm. because it's always with them. But then for the child, I mean, there's so many cool things that they can learn on an iPad and there's so many apps that can help them get their math homework done or whatever else. But then there's this addictive component and there's this comparison component that's Mm -hmm. already a piece of an adolescent's life. They're constantly comparing themselves to others. Um, And then when you don't have a break from that, when you're on social media all the time and you can constantly go on and see what your friends are doing and see that you're being left out, that just leads to so many more feelings, right? Like there's just so much, there's so much information constantly that kids just aren't getting a break from these things. And then it becomes hard for the parent because they want to set regulations for the technology that their kids are using, but the kids feel like it's life or death. Yeah. That if they don't find out what their friends are doing, they're going to be not in the know and they're not going to be cool or whatever else. And so it becomes a huge conflict in the area of parent-child boundaries. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's really interesting. As you were saying that, you touched on something that I've never noticed or thought of before, which is that social media is tapping into for kids something that they were already naturally doing 
which is comparing and contrasting and figuring out who's where in terms of popularity or whatever it is that they're measuring looks, whatever it is, it's hitting that already natural kind of vulnerable spot for kids. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really easy for adults. You know, even as you were saying it, I realized I had totally forgotten that. I wasn't thinking about it from that standpoint at all. And that's, that's something I think that we as adults and especially parents to teens or preteens really need to be aware of that this is touching an already really sensitive spot for your kids. Right. Yeah. Cause there's already that innate drive of a child as they're growing older, they go through these stages of development where they're looking to their parents for affirmation for everything. Mm. And then around that middle school, starting a high school, it totally changes. And in order for them, your natural instinct, in order to be successful, you go into a phase where you need to be included by your peers. Hmm. So success is based off of, are my peers going to include me rather than do my parents think it's a good choice? Yeah. And then when they're surrounded by that comparison all the time then, and they can't fall asleep at night because somebody said something to them at school about what they were wearing or something else, and then they can just grab their phone and scroll through that person's mm-hmm. social media, you can't shut off that comparison game yeah. and that need to fit in that they already have, and it just becomes it just becomes a lot more extreme. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm also thinking about how for adults it can be kind of easy for us to look at the struggles that kids and teens are dealing with and kind of give them advice that is essentially, ah, suck it up. You're not even going to remember this in a year or Mm -hmm. five years. This isn't going to matter to you at all. Well, that's not really helpful and it's obviously not sensitive. I'm actually watching Mavis's eyes like kind of getting sad as I was (laughs) even saying that because it's probably something that you um, you watch play out and you know the kind of uh, damage that it's doing and the kind of like almost neglect that it communicates to kids because it's like, well, this is a big deal to me and right. you're saying it doesn't even matter to you. So why would I keep sharing more of my life with you, the right. adult in my life, because you're acting like it doesn't really matter. Well, and then it's this gross cycle of, one, I mean, their parents didn't go through this. Yeah. Even for myself, I when I was in high school and middle school, I remember we had Facebook, and I would be on Facebook, or I'd be on instant messenger chat and that kind of thing, but mm-hmm. it was just a conversation between two people. Yep. And so parents don't understand, in the same way of how a kid's brain works, how hard it is for them to put the phone away or to not think about those things because they're just inundated with that information all the time. Yeah, and that's then, where their whole world is happening. That's where their importance, Yeah, I mean, in quotations, importance yeah. is coming from right now. And so you want to validate that for a kid. You want to understand what they're going through instead of sweeping it under the rug and saying, mm-hmm. well, it's not going to matter in five years. 
and there are a lot of parents too who I've seen get kind of sucked into that mentality of am I being the best mom and yeah, yeah. when I compare myself to the Instagram moms am I doing a good job and do people think I'm great so parents can get sucked into it pretty easily as well but that validation component for a child if they're sharing with you hey I'm really struggling with this just being able to sit with them in that feeling instead of being like oh this doesn't matter right right yeah, that's great. And it's a good reminder, too, that if we, you know, I'm 33, and if I have trouble regulating how I'm feeling in relationship to feeling like, oh, there's people out there that are speaking 100 times as often as I'm speaking, or mm-hmm. they're, you know, you know, and the people listening know, I love collecting basketball cards. Their card collection is 100 times better than mine. Mm-hmm. If that's hard for me as an adult, <clears throat> If I'm trying to figure out how to navigate through that, how much harder is that going to be for a kid? Because they don't have near the amount of experience of coping with disappointment and frustration. They don't have the same tools that I have as an adult. And if we're struggling with it, how much more the kids in our lives? Right. And I like, Alan, you touched on regulation. Hmm. And that's a huge thing, too, that I'm seeing of kids don't necessarily know how to regulate anymore because their regulation tactic has become grabbing a screen. Hmm. So if they have mixed up feelings or if they want to compare themselves to someone, you know, you kind of get that like um, that burning itch of, I wonder what so-and-so is doing. Hmm. And they can just grab their phone and find out. And so that rewires their brain Mm -hmm. to crave this information and to know that they can again, in quotations, satisfy yep. this this drive to find out because they have access to it. And so then they, they find out and then they sit there in that feeling for even longer of, oh, they are all hanging out and I'm not there and what does that mean? And, and then your brain just, again, can't shut off. It can't, there's no rest. Yeah. You know, even as you're saying that, I'm thinking about, for me, Annalise and I have been together for, I think, five and a half years. It, when you count, when we started dating, that time frame. And so there were even then weren't the full amount of what's available today mm-hmm. as far as ways to get in touch with people. But I remember being in the dating world and it's like, okay, well, I sent this text to this person that maybe is interested. We're trying to feel it out. I'm Mm -hmm. interested. I know. I don't know if they are. And you go from, okay, they didn't reply to my text for 30 minutes. And then you can just hop on. Well, I wonder if they liked any pictures on Instagram. I wonder if they put in, ah, so I know they're by their phone. Dang it. Why are they not answering me? And there are just so many more of those things now. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to you know, I know it's a weird thing to do, but I think we all do it. Do that little like, not cyber stalking, but sort of. Stalking, right? yeah. You know, a little You're bit. looking for some information. Right, yeah. And it's like, if that's always available and you know, I know you saw this message. I know that you know I'm trying to get in touch with mm-hmm. you. Why are you ignoring me? Right. It, it just creates this extra layer of isolation when you're trying to reach out. And yeah, that's that completely makes sense that you're seeing that play out in family after family after family. 
And first, I want people, if you're listening and you're going, yeah, that's exactly what's happening in our home, I want you to know that you're not alone. No, I think this is happening in just about every home. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so the question that people ask when I talk about technology, and I'm sure the question you get asked all the time, is, okay, so what do I do? Mm. And I'm not going to ask you like, okay, give me the, give me three exact steps that I can follow because that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. It looks different in different homes. And every parent listening right now, you know, each of your individual kids better than Mavis or I could ever know any of your Mm -hmm. kids. So you're going to know the best way moving forward But what are some general guidelines or what are some things that you've seen families that are handling this successfully? uh, What are some things that you've seen that have been effective? Yeah. um, So one of my favorite recommendations just across the board and not even just for kids, but for adults, too. And this is terrible because I don't follow it nearly (laughs) as closely as I should. Yeah but is to not have your phone charger in your bedroom. Hmm. To just not allow any kind of phone charging or anything like that because that's when you fall asleep. Yeah. So if you're bringing your phone into your bedroom, and especially for a lot of the adolescents, they do wake up in the middle of the night and they grab their phone or they can be texting people or doing anything at all hours of the night and their brains need sleep. They need to be able to sleep to do the things that they needed to be able to do at school and at home and everything else. Um, so the my biggest recommendation is having like a kitchen charging station hmm. of everybody's phone goes on the charger at a certain time of night. Maybe it's eight o'clock. Hey, we're going to be off technology after eight o'clock. Yep. Your brains need to prepare for sleep. You need to be able to prepare for rest, but also Let's have a face-to-face conversation together about how your day was. Let's connect. Because, again, there's, I think, this fallacy of we're such a connected world with technology, but not emotionally. Sure. We can connect so easily over that, but it's not the same. It doesn't fill your cup in the same way as a face-to-face conversation. Yeah. Um, And I think that we just live in a busy world, and it's hard to do that. But a lot of my families who have done that, and the kids usually are pretty upset about it at first, but after a while, they'll even self-report to me, this is really working. Hmm. I'm sleeping better, and I'm having conversations with my parents where they are validating me. Um, I can't check my phone, which in the beginning feels awful, but later on they start to realize, I do need some space away from this comparison game. Yeah. Um, So I, I just like that idea of, there being downtime where phones are not on and especially at night so you can really prepare the the brain to shut off to be able to rest well. Yeah, that's that's really good and as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about for me in the last 24 hours, there actually are two things that you touched on that I'm like, wow, that's pretty crazy timing because I have my phone plugged in right next to my bed. And I woke up this morning at five, which is not my normal routine. My alarm normally goes off about 10 to seven. And so it's five o'clock. I checked on my phone to see what time it was. And then five minutes later, I still wasn't asleep. So I pulled my phone out and 
I've been awake since five because yep. I laid up on my phone laying in bed and t- for two hours until mm-hmm. my alarm was supposed to go off. And then I got up and then here we are. You can um, get sucked into that black hole so crazy. easily. Crazy. And not even about things that are important. Right. Like you read an article that it's like, why am I reading this? Yes. It did nothing to help me. Nothing that I'm better off knowing now that I would have missed out on. Um, yeah. So that that's wise, not just for kids, but for everybody. Yeah. I, I mean, a lot of it does... You need to model it for your kids. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing of, okay, you can talk the talk, but are you going to walk the walk? Yeah, yeah. And so for parents to to be able to have that same that same ideology, that same value, if they're going to live it out, their kids are going to see it. Mm -hmm. But if it's going to be a, well, mom, you're on your phone while we're watching a movie together tonight, that's not going to go well. Right, right. Yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah. The second thing that I was thinking from my last 24 hours, you talked about having a time where the phones are away and it's just a face-to-face hangout conversation. Um, most of the time when Annalise and I make lunch or dinner, you know, is we're recording this on a Monday. So yesterday we made lunch at home Sunday afternoon and uh, we normally would sit down and watch a show on Netflix or something like that. And we it wasn't something we planned out. We're just like, hey, what about if we sit at our dinner table, <laughs> which by the way, is covered with a ton of stuff because we never use it for a dinner table mm-hmm. and just hang out. And we both we both kind of like cocked our heads like, oh, that's an interesting idea, you know? And we did it and we got done and we're like, that was really cool. Like mm-hmm. it, you're fun to hang out with. And it's it sounds dumb because it's like, well, yeah, isn't that what life together is like? And it is, but we found that even just making the intentional effort to have a meal and just hang out with each other. Mm-hmm. We talked about things that otherwise, you know, it's stuff that's been going on in life for a while but it just didn't really come up in the normal ebb and flow of life. But when we're taking that moment to kind of, um, you know, I don't know, I don't want to call it like have a date cause we're, you know, eating just a meal at our own home. That's hardly a date, but it was, it was meaningful because we connected. Well, and it's funny because it feels like it's become a date now. Yeah, right. Like that used to be regular life, but now it feels like this really special time because (laughs) it's so rare. It really is. As I was struggling to find a word, I'm like, but it kind of was a date. Like it's bizarre. Um, So yeah, I'm first in line to say that what you're talking about right there would benefit me. I would wholeheartedly agree. It's one of those things where, again, I know the information and trying to get it into daily practice, it really is difficult. Yeah, yeah. But that's just an unbelievably practical way to uh, cut down on distraction, interrupted sleep. And then, like I mentioned in the previous episode on technology, uh, especially with kids, that's totally unregulated, un- Mm -hmm. Um, supervised time that they're spending doing who knows what. And, you know, I really, as I've started 
talking about technology. I've been doing it for maybe like two years, something like that. And I'm young enough that I think I have some credibility when I go places and talk. But when I first started, I was 100% on the side of pro technology. These people that are nervous about it or like saying you shouldn't just have unlimited access to all this stuff. Like they're just worrying. They're just, you know, everyone hates the new stuff. Mm. And as I've looked at what it's what it's doing in my own life, uh, much less what it's doing in the lives of, like we talked about, kids and teens who have fewer tools to help cope with, mm-hmm. you know, this just being thrown off from what the normal ebb and flow of life is like. Um, I've, I'm still really pro-technology, but I'm more cautious and more measured. And so I really think that... Um, that finding some of these kind of tools where we're not saying, yep, lock up a phone, never have a phone for any kid until they turn 18, never do this. You know, it's saying here are some really practical ways to use this because this is part of life. And here's how it can play out in the home. Well, and parents can use it a lot of times as a really awesome tool. Yeah. Parents can can give their kids some freedom with a with some a phone or a tablet or something and be able to coach them through learning how to use it appropriately. Yeah. So, hey, you did an awesome job today. Here, have some downtime, mm-hmm. do a little reading or do some of your math um, flashcards on the tablet for 10 minutes. And then afterwards, we'll, we'll talk about it or something. Like yeah. parents can help them use this tool that they're going to get. I mean, schools do everything online yeah. now. Yeah. People get their little uh, laptops and all of those things at school. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to be using these things. Let's teach them to do it wisely. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it really is something where you don't, as a parent, you don't really have the option of opting out of this, right? This is just the world now. Yeah, it's going to be really hard to yeah. just not use it at all. And there are some people who who do that, but it's very, very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, so if, if it's going to be a part of your kids' lives, just like anything else, you need to teach them to use it wisely. Yeah. And that can be a growing thing for them, and they can get excited about earning privileges and those types of things. And also learning how to make good decisions on technology Mm -hmm. because there are a lot of temptations. And so when parents can walk alongside of their child while they're navigating all of that and just encouraged to use it well, that helps build up the self-confidence in a a kid of, I know what I should and shouldn't do. And there are going to be mistakes along the way. Every child tests limits. Mm-hmm. But being able to continue to use that tool of saying, hey, we love you no matter what. Let's talk about how we can work on this better together to make sure that you're not going onto this site or whatever else. Yeah, I like that. And as you're talking about it, I was thinking, you know, for my generation and for probably most of the parents listening now, that wasn't something, you know, getting the just unlimited access to technology, that wasn't something that happened overnight like it can today. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking that maybe a parallel that would work. And I'm thinking of this now. So if this 
is stupid and awful. That's why, because I just came up with it. But maybe there's a parallel to getting a driver's license or having a car for the first time because Mm -hmm. there are just things that are going to happen where it's learning from mistakes when you're driving a car. Right. And I, there's a light pole in the church parking lot where I learned how to drive my car that is a lot stronger than I thought it was. It My car took the brunt of the damage there, but I smashed into a light pole figuring out how to drive a car, a stick shift in mm-hmm. reverse. And my dad was outside the car screaming, stop, stop, stop. And all of a sudden uh, I stopped, but not the way I wanted. And I've got multiple stories like that. And I've got multiple stories of times where the police officer was the one that was saying, okay, here's the limit, you've reached it, and now there's going to be a consequence. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it wasn't, it doesn't really cross our minds to say, okay, there was one mistake, you backed into one pole, you're never driving again. Okay, you got a speeding ticket, never driving again. And I, I wonder if taking that sort of approach with the kids in our lives would be helpful to go, okay, I never really had to, you know, experience this craziness the same way they do at this mm-hmm. point in life. But there will be some mistakes along the way. There right. are going to be some things that go bad and there are going to be some teaching moments in the midst of that. But it doesn't mean you're banned forever. It doesn't mean, you know, I got to come down with the iron fist because even though I didn't experience this, I did experience something similar in, you know, driving a car. I don't mm-hmm. know. Does that make sense? Or Absolutely. Is that and I actually, I do like that analogy because that's how serious it is too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you think about driving a car, you have the power of life and death mm-hmm. in your hands behind the wheel. Yep. And sometimes with technology, with the cyberbullying and things that are happening, there is life and death in that too. Yeah. There's life and death in our words. And so for parents just to be aware of that and aware of how easy that is for kids. And it's not just, oh, my kid's so good, he would never do that. Yep. Well, I mean, your kid has access to a lot of things and they're a human. Yep. So let's yep. not shame them, but let's walk alongside of them and teach yeah. them about, hey, here are some pitfalls and here are some things that might grab your attention. But let's remember we want to continue to walk in our faith well and we want to continue to use our words to encourage and not destroy. Yeah, that's huge. Because it's just so much easier to say things that you would never say to somebody in person to try to get a rise out of some, you know, maybe there's a little avatar of this person's face, but maybe it's just a name on a screen. Right. And you go... I'm going to make that name on that screen know that I won this argument at all costs. And it it can happen really easily. Well, and kids are so exposed to it. Yeah. So they might live in a world offline where people, for the most part, are pretty kind. They use kind, encouraging words, but then they go on YouTube and listen to a music video. And just looking at the comments of a music video and that people just argue over anything. Yep. It gives you this sense of, okay, this is the norm in online life. Yep. And I can do that and I can get away with that. Or, I mean, it just depersonalizes communication. Yeah. So, 
people it really does. Yeah. are quicker to say and do things that they wouldn't say and do, yep. like you said, face to face. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, you know, from um, something that a lot of teenage boys are into, which is the online gaming, you know, I, that stuff was kind of coming into existence. I can remember some of the um, kind of homemade setups that we would have to do to try to connect our Xbox to uh, be able to play online against people. And the things that are normal in the chat on there, in the messages that you send back and forth to other people, in what's said over the headsets as you're in the midst of playing, that's some horrific stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's important for parents to talk to their kids and say, you know, I, I get that you're hearing this and you're watching people interact that way, but that's not how we do things. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't line up with who we are as a family. It doesn't line up with who we are as followers of Jesus. And you don't want to let that become normalized because otherwise, like you're saying, it really does. You go, okay, that's not how I behave offline, but when I'm online, eh, that's just kind of how it goes. Like if you want to be a person that's online, you got to have tough skin. You got to be ready to say some unbelievably horrific things to people. Right. And it becomes a slippery slope then of I spend so much time online gaming that this is my norm and so now when i'm frustrated by something oops i can't believe Mm. i just said that out loud at school or whatever else because it becomes a coping strategy yep you know i i talked about in the previous episode on technology i talked pretty extensively uh, about sexting and all the Mm. legalities around that and the way that parents can really um help to guard their kids. But if there's anything that you would like to say on that topic, I've said most everything that I'd like to say. I'm putting you on the spot. I don't know if you have thoughts on that. Oh, yeah. I'm going to let you speak for that one, Alan. Yeah. And we're going to roll with that because that could be a whole nother like three hour conversation. Right. There's, there's just so many pieces of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. And just, you know, I think just to remind you, if you didn't listen or if you forgot or whatever, you need to talk to your kids about sexting mm-hmm. because it's going to be uncomfortable for you. It's going to be uncomfortable for them. But it's so important because this stuff has lifelong, life-impacting consequences um, from something that in the moment is going to feel so harmless to kids. Mm-hmm. And so just... just please have that conversation with your kids. In a very grace-filled way, I guess, is the only thing I would add on there. Yeah, that's good. Because a lot of kids afterwards, too, are so ashamed and Mm. think their worth has changed Mm. and how could I have fallen victim to this? And I'm a terrible kid because I've done this. And a lot of times just really coming alongside of them again and encouraging them of, we live in a broken world. You're not a terrible person for doing this, but I want to I want to encourage you to make some different choices. Yeah. And there are probably going to be some things along the way that can help you encourage your kids. There's going to be some boundaries that need to be set for them to understand too of what does a healthy boundary look like? What does healthy communication look like? I understand most of your friends might be doing this, but it's just not okay and it doesn't send the right message about your worth. Mm, yeah. 
Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. I, yeah, that's a key part of that conversation is it can easily turn into, uh, pre-guilting somebody right Mm -hmm. and uh creating this thing where it's like this better not happen this is not part of our fit this is not and to have a grace-filled conversation about something that is so important Mm -hmm. and really matters a lot and that we've watched a lot of people's lives be negatively affected by this underage sexting but to have that conversation with your kids in a way that is healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So I'm looking and I'm realizing that we've been in here talking for like a while, like mm-hmm. 35, 40 minutes. Yep. Um, and I don't know how much more time you have, but I'm wondering, is there anything else that as you're thinking through technology, you're going, I'd like to at least mention this. Yes. Okay. Great question, Alan. (laughs) (laughs) That's my favorite kind, right? Yes. I would like to mention that there are some really cool apps out there to help you learn about regulation. Okay. So a lot of times when kids are upset by something, they do grab their phone and they might zone off into space and go on, you know, Instagram or Snapchat or whatever else. But, and, and I mean, that causes a ripple effect, right, of not being in touch or aware of their bodies or Mm. of just the physiological responses of in your body of an emotion of like they don't even realize that their heart is beating fast or that their palms are sweaty or any of those things. I just want to interrupt real quick and say Annalise taught me this like two years ago. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I was over 30 when I learned like I would tell her, okay, I'm feeling this way right now. I'm feeling this like really weird thing, like it feels like I'm having a heart attack or something. And she'd be like, yeah, that's an emotion. And I'm like, oh, interesting. So when (laughs) I feel this, that's an emotion. So yeah, don't, don't wait till you're 30. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's not been fun to learn about emotions at my age, I got to (laughs) say. Right. So anyway. It's tricky. Like you just don't think about those things and you're not in tune with it. And And so kids now have so many other distractions that it's harder for them to to really be mindful and aware of themselves. Um, So there's a couple apps out there that help with that. So there's one called Headspace Mm -hmm. and there's another called Calm that I've used before even in session. Yeah. So it's just, um, they're really quick apps. There's a lot of in-app purchases. I will just say that up front. Sure. Um, but it, it helps your kids to do some mindful, deep breathing in hmm. adults too. Yeah. I have adults that do this, Yeah. Um, but it helps you learn how to do proper deep breathing and it helps you do like a body scan where um, the little voice and it's cute because it's like a little Australian or British guy who's doing the Headspace app uh-huh. and saying, well, how do your toes feel? Like I can't say it in a British <laughs> accent, but it's just cute how how it's I I appreciate that about it um but it it helps you slow down enough to be like how are my toes feeling are they kind of cramped in my boots right now oh do I notice that maybe I've got a little hole in my sock am I noticing like it just it gets the ball rolling of what am I now noticing because I'm aware of it that's great yes so same thing with like a lot of my clients have um, stomach aches or 
neck problems or headaches when they have stress or anxiety. Mm -hmm. And it helps them if they're using this app daily to be like, oh, wow, my shoulders are really raised and I wasn't even paying attention to that. I'm probably going to get a headache if it keeps Hmm. being that way. So now I'm going to choose to take five minutes to do some deep breathing and just be really mindful of my posture so it doesn't continue to go on and turn into a headache. Yeah, that's great. That's, you know, I've, I've talked in several of the episodes about the life change that meditation has brought for me. Right. And I love the idea of helping kids and teens use their phone to create that space mm-hmm. because it is so easy to go through life with no moments of silence, with no moments of introspection, with no moments where we're actually trying to actively be at peace mm-hmm. and to find ways um, to hand the kids in our lives a way to do that and a way to cope in the midst of the craziness of everything else. Um, that's, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Use, use a Headspace app or something and put your phone on Do Not Disturb. Put it far away from you so you can't see it or touch it, but you can hear it. <laughs> yeah. And then go to sleep. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love it. Thanks so much, Mavis. Definitely. Really appreciate you sharing and uh, some really practical ways that this stuff plays out and can make a real impact for families. So thanks for doing that. Definitely. Thanks for having me. For sure.